call that a speed course. Who wants to sign up this morning? That's crazy, right? I think sometimes when we hear the idea of following Jesus, I think that's what we have in mind, right? Like impossible, beyond our ability, can't do it, too scary, don't know why you would even attempt to do that, too dangerous, too uncomfortable, to the point that we don't even consider it, and we set it aside, and we potentially don't even, we potentially don't even consider going down that road. Well, we've begun this series called We Will Follow, and I want you to know that not only has Jesus called you to follow him, he's gone even a step further than that that we're going to talk about this morning. He's called those of us who are following him to help other people follow him. He's not inviting you to follow him down a speed course. He's inviting you to follow him in life and to allow your life to change and to help in other people's lives changing as you follow him and help others follow him. Listen, this call that we're talking about, it is for you. This idea that we're talking about of discipleship is a call for you. It's not for the person sitting to the right of you necessarily right now. It's not for the person sitting on the left of you necessarily right now. It is for you. I think a lot of times we think, well, that's, that's for them. That's for those other guys. This whole idea of following Jesus sounds good, but I don't know if I can go that far or not. And we don't even go for it. It's for you. The reason why I say that is because we don't want you to miss it. We don't want you to miss this incredible calling that Jesus has placed on your life. This incredible opportunity that Jesus has given you and inviting you in to become like him. And in so doing, help others become like him. Uh, Anybody go around this week singing Glory Days in the back of your head just a little bit? Uh, We played it last week. The whole idea is... We want today to be your glory day, and we want tomorrow to be your glory day, and we want 10 years from now to be your glory day as you're following Jesus, which is what real life is all about. It's about answering this call that Jesus gave us before he died. Before he died on the cross, and this this calling was for you and for I to be his disciple. So last week we began to define what a disciple is. Again, a lot of us, I think, a lot of times we think about being a disciple. If, if we're anywhere in the um, area of entertaining a thought, we think, okay, I'll do that. But our, our understanding of it is very, very small. And if we think we're a disciple, it probably looks something like this. It potentially looks like, all right, I go to church and I tell people that I'm a Christian. And I'm here to tell you that if you've reduced discipleship, if you've reduced following Jesus to going to church and just telling people that you're a Christian, you're missing the calling of Jesus on your life. And you're missing what real life is all about. Because as you begin following Jesus, as you become his disciple and you start doing what Jesus tells you to do, for sure you will go to church. But the flip side of that is you won't be telling people that you're a Christian. People will be calling you a Christian. You will follow Jesus in baptism. 
you will begin to get connected with other believers in a very intimate way. And one way that we do that here at this church is through HC groups. We're emphasizing it big time. Why? Because that's where you do life with each other. That's how this whole thing of following Jesus happens as we follow Jesus with other followers of Jesus. We want you to be a part of it. We want you to, to experience it. Disciples follow Jesus. We also offered up this idea last week that it's impossible to be a disciple of anyone and not become like that person. In other words, if you follow someone enough, you just start looking like them. You start talking like them. You start walking like them. You start picking up mannerisms like them. You start acting like them. You start interacting like them. If you begin to follow Jesus, guess what's going to happen? You're going to start looking more and more like Jesus, and that is what life really is all about, us looking like our Savior, us looking like our Lord, us looking like our Master. Well, we want to go one step further this week and not just declare to you that the calling for you and I is to follow Jesus, but he goes further than that, Jesus does. And that is this, followers of Jesus help others follow Jesus. Would you say that with me? Followers of Jesus help others follow Jesus. Let's say it again. Followers of Jesus help others follow Jesus. So if I'm a disciple, I follow Jesus, right? And if I follow Jesus, then I am a part of helping other people follow Jesus. Again, I know this idea for some of us, it's, it's too big for us to even consider potentially, but I want, you to, I want you to not miss this and understand this call to follow Jesus and this call for you to help other people follow Jesus is God's calling on your life. Check out Matthew chapter 28, beginning in verse number 16. Can we back up to verse 16? I don't know if it's on the screen or not. Can you pull that up, verse 16, Pat? I think maybe I told you to start in verse 18. I really want to start in verse 16. Matthew chapter 28 Beginning in verse 16. I'll give him a moment. You're looking it up, and he's uh, pulling it up. Can we do that, Pat? Is that doable? Okay, it's coming. I don't want you to miss verse 16 and 17 this morning. See if you can look it up quicker than the computer can look it up. All right? Matthew chapter 28, verse 16. And I'm in Luke, so I'm going to flip over. All right, Matthew chapter 28. <laughs> Verse 16, the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. Now, I simply want to tell you this about verse number 16. You're always where you should be if you listen to Jesus. Verse 17, when they saw him, when the 11, these guys that have been following Jesus day in and day out, they were with Jesus when Jesus said, hey, I'm about to die. I want you to follow me. They saw Jesus die on the cross. He really died. And now these same 11 are with him after he died. Do the math for just a minute. That doesn't make any sense, does it? Even if you're a Christian, the idea of they're with him, listening to him talk after he died is still mind-blowing. What that infers is that Jesus died, but then he came back from the dead. And so these 11 are hanging out with him. And look what it says in verse 17. When they saw him, they worshipped him. And I don't know about you, but if I get to see, touch, feel, talk to the risen Savior, 
I'm going to bow down and worship him. Jesus wasn't here physically this morning, but I couldn't help but worship Jesus. I mean, he died for my sins. He rose again from the grave. I think we have every reason in the world to take every opportunity we get, whether we're in a setting like this or we're out by ourselves, to worship the risen Savior. Okay? So they worshiped him. Now look at the last part of verse number 17. This is going to encourage some of us. But some of them doubted. I'm so thankful that uh, God is wise enough to know us well and to speak to us where we really are because I think he speaks to the human level here. He understands that even though some of these 11 who walked and talked with Jesus saw him die and now they're seeing him, the resurrected one, that they still were struggling to really believe that it was all true and that Jesus was really alive. And so just allow this verse number 17 that if you ever have doubts about Jesus, to know that you're not alone in your doubts. Even the 11 sometimes said, I don't know if this is for real or not. Okay? Verse number 18. Now remember, some of them worshipped him, some of them doubted. And then, verse number 18. Now, think with me for just a moment. If someone's on their deathbed and they want to tell you something, don't you lean in? Sure you do. What was it? Can you say it again? This may be the last time you ever, what, what? Now imagine with me for just a moment. Someone comes back from the dead to tell you something. How much do you lean in? How much do you perk up if somebody who once was dead and now is alive wants to tell you something? Imagine that for just a moment. How would you feel? How intensely would you listen? How seriously would you take his or her words? Now imagine that you're one of the disciples who had listened to Jesus teach for about three years. And you had literally followed him physically, footstep after footstep. And you had watched Jesus engage with the religious leaders to challenge them on everything. And you had watched and witnessed Jesus healing people who were sick, causing the blind to see and the deaf to hear and the lame to walk. And even in some instances, cause the dead to be raised back to life. And here you are, and Jesus has spoken to you before he died, and you leaned in. He said, I want you to follow me. Now he's come back from the dead. Some of you are worshiping. Some of you are like, ah, I still don't know. And what does he have to say to me? What does he have to say to you? What's he going to say? He's back from the dead. What are his words for us? Surely this is the moment that we've been waiting on, right? Surely this is the moment that Jesus says, I'm taking over. Surely this is the moment that Jesus says, you know what? I'm rising to the occasion. Obviously, I have power. I came back from the dead, and I'm going to wipe out all the bad people, and I'm going to keep all the good people, and we're going to make this thing right once and for all. Surely this is the moment that Jesus is going to say, the government that has been pushing you down and keeping you squashed and pretty much living like slaves, I'm doing away with that government, and I'm going to be the king now, and everything is going to be made right. Let's listen to what Jesus has to say, because this is what we've been waiting on. Verse 18. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Now, there are some people that just kind of 
with their personality and with their demeanor just kind of carry some authority, don't they? They speak and we just kind of listen. There are some people that wear a badge right here and when they speak, we, we say yes sir, no sir, whatever we got to say because like they're an authority, right? Uh, we've got moms and we've got dads and when they speak, we listen to them and we respond to them because they have authority. Some people in your life, they have the ability to fire you if they want to, so they have a lot of authority over your life, and so you say yes, sir, or yes, ma'am, or whatever it may be. We understand what authority is. If there's ever a time that we should not question whether someone has the authority and the power to do whatever they want to do, it should be in this moment, because this guy's not the boss. He doesn't just merely wear a badge. He's not just merely our parent. This guy named Jesus came and lived perfectly, died, and came back from the dead on his own. I'm thinking this is one of those moments that we say, yes, sir. This is one of those moments where we don't say, well, I don't really know if you have the right to say that or not. I don't think this is one of those moments. And Jesus in this moment says, I can say whatever I want to say. I can do whatever I want to do. I'm in charge. Nobody tells me what to do. That's what authority really is, the responsibility of doing whatever you want to do. And if you have that responsibility, if you're a parent, if you're a boss, if you wear a badge, whatever it may be, whatever whatever realm or responsibility you have, you're being entrusted to do the best thing with that power. And Jesus, with his power and with his authority, goes on in verse number 19 to tell the disciples, some of which worshipped him and some of this moment that are doubting him, verse 19, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You hear that, how do you react? If you're one of the 11, how do you react? Oh, well, at least that's no big deal, right? Okay, we can take care of that really quick. You're hearing this today. You're living here in 2017. We're in Benton, Arkansas. We're at this gathering of these people that we together call ourselves Holland Chapel. And and you're hearing this today. How do you react to these words of Jesus, the one who is large and in charge and has every right to be? And he says to me and he says to you, go and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and teach them all the commands that I have given you. How do you react to that when you hear Jesus speaking these words to his followers then and to his followers now? Here's the way I think a lot of people react to this, and I would even suggest it's the way that some of us in this room react when we hear such words from Jesus in Matthew 28, and he says these words in other places, and he, he says them in, in, a, in a different way in Acts. I think a lot of us say, man, that is good. I like it. But that's for those pastors and for those missionaries. You guys go. We'll cheer you on. We'll pray for you. You keep doing what you're doing because we believe it's a good thing. In fact, we think it's the best thing, and you go do it. And yet Jesus in this moment takes his long, mighty finger and points at me and points at you and says, this is for you. 
this command, this calling, this commission, this invitation that I'm giving you, it's, it's for you. I'm not just talking to those guys. I'm talking to these guys. Could it be that we actually think that this is what Jesus wanted the early church to do? And if you read the rest of the New Testament, you'll figure out that's what the early church did. They listened to the words of Jesus. And they went out and they made disciples and they baptized people and they taught people to do what Jesus told them to do. And it's, it's, it's called following Jesus and helping others follow Jesus. They actually did it. And that we potentially say, yep, they bought into it, they believed it, they went for it. But today, now, like, I think maybe Jesus wants you know, those of us who are believers, those of us who are followers, you know, the people who live here in Benton, the people that come here to Holland Chapel to be a part. I think like Jesus has got a little bit different plan for us today. The plan hasn't changed. Praise God. The calling hasn't been reduced. The invitation has not been closed. The same one who lived perfectly died on a cross and rose up triumphantly from a grave, still issues the same calling, the same invitation, and the same responsibility upon those who call upon his name and claim to be following him. There's Jesus calling right now. This call is for you. And whoever's phone that was is taking that really seriously right now, right? What? I don't recognize this number. What's the area code of heaven? That was cool. That couldn't have worked out better. I want you to see yourself in this passage. I want you to, to know that, that Jesus is talking to you here. He wants you to follow him. And he wants you to help others follow him. Some of us are thinking right now, this is, this, is, this is too hard. For a moment, I want you to set aside the how, okay? The how of doing this for just a moment, I want you to set it aside. I don't want you to think, well, how, how do we do that? How do we do that? We're going to talk about that, and it's a big deal, and it's important. For just a moment, I want you to set aside the how. And I want you to think about, Who's talking? Who's talking? Jesus. Does he have a little bit of authority? He has all authority. He's talking to me. He's talking to you. He's asking us to do something that I don't mind us saying is impossible. But he's asking you. And he's asking me to be a part of accomplishing the impossible. How we'll talk about that right now, we just got to consider who's talking and what he's calling us to. Because I don't know if you caught it or not, but even here in this calling that he gives us in Matthew chapter 28, he says, you know what, let me handle the how, because I'm going to be with you for all time. We're so worried about the how that we don't do the what and we miss that the very one who called us to do what we're supposed to do is the very one that will help us do what he's called us to do. And we make it hard. And so we set it aside. It reminds me of George Costanza. You know, Costanza, he would always come in from work just dog-tired every single day. 
And the reason why Costanza would come home from work every single day is because he spent all day trying to look like he was working and spent all of his energy working to look like he wasn't working. Sounds like a lot of Christians today, a lot of people who claim the name of Jesus. We want to look busy. We want to look like we belong to Jesus. We want God to be pleased with us, so we work really, really hard to try to look like we're working, but we're not really working at the things he called us to do. By the way, Costanza was a loser. Did nobody watch Seinfeld ever? Am I the only one that missed one of the greatest shows of all time? I say he was a loser, not to make you feel bad, just to know, like, he missed it. He, he missed it. And some of us are missing it. And I don't want you to miss it. This is for you, followers of Jesus. Help others follow Jesus. Jesus didn't call us to follow him if we had time. Jesus didn't call us to follow him if we felt like we were equipped Let's just have a moment right now. How many of you in this room feel, let me finish the question, feel equipped to follow Jesus and equipped to help other people follow Jesus? How many of you in this room do not feel, do not feel like you are equipped to follow Jesus and equipped to help other people follow Jesus? Raise your hand. Mine's up. I, I, I don't. You want to look at a guy that feels overwhelmed, that's in over his head, that sometimes looks around and says, I don't know what I'm doing. That's me. But guess what? This calling that I'm doing my best to say yes to is the same calling that Jesus has put on your life. Will you feel overwhelmed? Will you feel like you can't handle it? Will you feel inept? Absolutely. Absolutely. He's called us to something greater than we are. He's called us to something greater than we are. And it's amazing how he thought that through and how he's wise and all-knowing, knowing that if he called us to something that we were capable of doing, that when we did it, we would do what? We would take credit for it. Listen, if anything good happens for the glory of God around me, guess who gets the glory for it? God. I, I'm not capable. I don't have everything that it takes. And yet Jesus calls me and calls you into it. I've got a question for you to consider, seriously consider. Again, Forget the how for just a minute. A minute. Think about the who and the what. Who has God placed in your life that you can help follow Jesus? Who has God placed in your life that you can help follow Jesus? Let me take just a moment and um, speak to the older generation in our church. We need you to follow Jesus and to help others follow Jesus. We need your wisdom. We need your experience. And oh, we need your example. And I am so thankful for the older generation in our church that follows Jesus and helps others follow Jesus. Sometimes it is completely intentional. Sometimes they don't even realize it's happening because they're just following Jesus. And when they're following Jesus, they're helping other people follow Jesus. For, for just a moment, there, there are some people in this room that have been married maybe four or five years. And, and we need the examples that are before us. Just this past week, 
uh, Steve and Nancy Richardson married 40 years. Amen. Celebrate that. <laughs> Celebrate that. Steve would like to tell you it's because he's good looking. We all know that's not why they're married 40 years, right? I, I do know them well enough to know they would tell you God's, God's done all this. God's, And there's some of us in this room that may be married 4, 5, 13, 14 years and and we're, 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 on that, we're on that moment right now where we're kind of selfish and we're kind of thinking about what we want. And we're thinking about tapping out. And we hear stories like that. And you know what it does? It causes us to, you know what, I, I, I can and I could and I, and I will and I should keep going. Praise God. Older generation in this church, such a great example for the rest of us. Um, I was at um, Larry's Pizza the other night. Kids love going there and we were having a great time. We get to see... Uh, certain groups of people there, pretty regular, and uh, I, I could talk about all of them because they're all great people, and, and the other night um, we were there, and uh, the Davises were there, and, and uh, Bob's running around chasing this little one, and uh, he's chasing his great-grandchild, okay, his great-grandchild. I don't know if I'll still be alive when my great-grandchildren come along, much less be able to chase them around. I think that's so cool. Chasing around his great-granddaughter. And you see nothing but pride and joy and, and, and just, just happiness on Bob's face as he chases her, as he talks to her, as he holds her up, and, and all those kind of things. And I, I, saw that, oh, I thought, man, it's so beautiful to watch the joy and the example uh, in his heart. And so I made an assumption, and God, like, he's pretty good about this. Instead of having to assume... Uh, my assumption got to come into reality this morning because I was planning on talking about Bob for just a moment this morning. And, and I saw Bob coming across the parking lot this morning before Sunday school started. And uh, I said, hey, man, I'm, I'm planning on talking about you this morning. And he said, uh-oh. And um, I said, no, no, all good. And I said, I made an assumption, but I want to find out whether it's true or not. And his wonderful wife is standing there, so I knew we were going to get the truth. And so, anyway, I, I said, when you were raising your kids, not your grand, your, your kids, and he paused for a moment and he immediately said, five of them. I said, I'm assuming, but I'm here to find out whether it's true or not. I'm assuming there at least was one moment in raising your five kids that you lost your patience. And he grinned, and he thought, and he acknowledged the answer was yes. And then he went on to talk about the blessings of God. You know what example that is for some of us who are parenting young children right now? All we think we're raising is Cain right now, right? <laughs> right? I mean, when you're in throes of parenting, sometimes it's just like, what is going on? I made these people. What were we thinking? Right, parents? Right? If I'm the only one, I'm the only one, but I'm in it. And you see him just, just, he made it through. He survived. You know, he survived, he thrived. Spoke some wisdom into my life this morning. And I'm so thankful for the example. We need it in our lives. Let me take just a moment to speak to the younger generation in the church. We need you to follow Jesus and to help others follow Jesus. 
We need your energy. We need your passion. And one and the same as the older generation, we need your example. There's some of you in this room, you've been married four, five, six, seven years, and there are other people coming alongside you that have been married four, five, six years, and guess what? You have no idea your willingness to continue on and your faithfulness and your covenant marriage, how you're impacting some people that are thinking like, yeah, I'd really love to tap out right now. It would be a lot easier. It would be a lot better. I'd really like to be done with this thing. And they're watching you, and they're seeing you continue on, and you are encouraging others to follow Jesus. Some of you are raising kids right now, and you are encouraging other people that are raising kids to know that their homes are not the only ones that are messy all the time. Well, I thought we like had to teach a lesson or something to disciple people. Well, that's great. That's good. But let me tell you what life impacts other people's life more than anything else. And when we see you, young, old, in between, just starting out, been following Jesus a long time, whatever it is, when we see you following Jesus, it causes the rest of us to continue to want to follow Jesus. Some of you, you're single, not married. And you're in this place in life where you don't have a mate, and you are making a choice to follow Jesus. And one of your choices in following Jesus right now is that you are going to be pure, sexually pure, right now in your life. You have no idea the impact that you're making on other singles around you who are following Jesus, who are thinking, is it worth it? Should I even quit trying? Should I just give in and do whatever I want to do? And they are seeing and hearing you humbly follow Jesus in purity, and it's keeping them going for the honor and the glory of Jesus. Older generation, younger generation, wherever you find yourself in between, we need to follow Jesus, and we need to help others follow Jesus. Some of us, young and old have blown it. I mean, like we blew it. We messed up. We took a hiatus from following Jesus and decided to be selfish and worship what we wanted rather than Jesus. Yet here we are today. Still following Jesus. Why? Because of Jesus. Our faithfulness? Nope. His faithfulness. His restoration. His forgiveness. His greatness. As I see people who have stepped away from following God and God has brought them back and now they're following Jesus and you hear just this heart of humility and this heart of repentance that still is there for them, you know what it causes me to do? To continue to follow Jesus. And it gives hope to anyone and everyone who has ever blown it. And at some point in our lives, every single one of us have blown it. I assume that you're sitting here today because at some point in time, you blew it. You know what we call blowing it in the Bible? Sin. This is not a gathering place for all the good people. This is a gathering place for people that have admitted that they've blown it, admitted that they've sinned and they need a Savior and His name is Jesus. 
That's why we worship. That's why we gather. That's why we share. That's why we love. That's why we forgive. That's why we tell others. That's why we follow Jesus. That's why we help others follow Jesus. Because of Jesus. He's changed our lives. We've finally begun to understand what really living is all about. And we want other people to experience it. That's what he does for us. And so if you're here today and you're thinking, oh, man, I blew it. Maybe sin's a reality for you. Maybe you've never been a follower of Jesus and your sin is great and it's massive. Listen, we serve a much greater Savior than we have sinned. Did you hear me? Like our Savior is so much greater than our sin. He loves us, wants us, and is ready to receive us. For some of you, you've been following Jesus, you've blown it. Maybe a couple people know about it. Maybe everybody knows about it. Maybe everybody's about to know about it. Let me tell you what, there is hope in Jesus today. That's how he works. That's why he died. That's why he came back from the dead. That's the reason why he talked to his 11, some of them who worship and some of them who doubted, and said, you know what? I don't want to make everything just the way it ought to be, yet I want to use you to help me make everything the way it ought to be. I want to do this whole thing that was my plan from the beginning called redemption. I want to continue to offer grace to mankind. I want to continue to offer salvation to mankind. And so he picks the 11. He picks the early church. He picks this church today, here, the assembly of believers gathered together in Benton, Arkansas. And he says, I want you to help me do what I've always wanted to do, help people's lives get radically changed. This is for you. Followers of Jesus help others follow Jesus. Why? So that we can experience Jesus and so that others can experience Jesus. I've got two things I want you to consider this morning that are next steps. They're on the back side of your communication card. They're also going to be on the screen for you. Maybe your next step is this. You just need to understand that this calling, this, this invitation, this, this Jesus speaking in Matthew 28, that, that it's yours. Maybe for the first time in your life as a believer in Jesus, you need to grasp and understand and know down deep in your soul that when Jesus was speaking a couple thousand years ago and continues to speak to us through his word today, that this calling is for you. And that you are going to say, you know what, today I understand this calling is mine. I'm going to own it. I'm going to believe it. I'm going to pursue it. I'm going to do whatever it takes for me to follow it because what an invitation that Jesus has given me. Next, maybe your next step is just to help, and there's a blank. Who is it? Who, who needs to go on that blank for you? I need to help. What's their name? Follow Jesus. Maybe for some of you, you're, you're thinking about your husband, you're thinking about your wife. Maybe some of you are thinking about your kids. You should be. Maybe some of you are thinking about your neighbor. Maybe some of you are thinking about, you know, who you're uh, an AC group with. Maybe some of you, you, you do a Monday morning Bible study together and, and you hang out. Maybe, maybe there's somebody that you work with and, and you, I, I need to help. I need to help them follow Jesus. And some of you are hesitant to put that down right now because you're like, I don't know how I would do that. I don't, I don't know how. I don't know how. I don't know how. 
Here's one thing I believe with all of my heart, and we're going to talk about the how, because I think the how is important, but I believe the who is so much more important than the how. And I believe that if you will commit to answering the call of God on your life to follow Jesus and help others follow Jesus, Jesus will do another miracle, and he will help you do what you are not capable of doing, and he will help you follow Jesus, and he will help you help others follow Jesus. I'm completely 100% confident with all of my being that he will do that. Just as when you call on the name of Jesus to say, Jesus, I'm a sinner, I need a Savior. I want to make a crazy exchange. I want to give you my sin, and I'd like for you to give me your righteousness, and I'm going to believe in you to do that. That's called salvation. Just as much as I believe that he does do that and will do that for you, I believe that as a believer in Jesus, when you say, I'll follow you and I will help others follow you, I believe an exchange takes place that we cannot comprehend, we cannot define. I believe that Jesus steps in and starts doing things through, the, through you that you are not capable in and of yourself. And some of you are missing out on it because you just won't say, you know what? This is God's call on my life. It's bigger than I am. I believed in him to be my savior. And now I'm going to take another step of faith. And I'm going to believe that he can use me to help others follow him. We're talking about a step of faith and obedience this morning. That's what we're talking about. Some of you need to take the step of obedience and be baptized. You believe in Jesus, but you've never declared it to the world through baptism. We invite you to be baptized because it's the way we declare to the world that we belong to him. There's so many things that he calls us to do. That's us teaching you the commands of Jesus. And what he's calling me to, what he's calling you to, is life, real life. I'm going to pray. And after this prayer, we're going to sing a song for any of us that need to respond to Jesus this morning, I don't mind saying that this is probably a great morning for believers to respond to Jesus and to say yes to something that's beyond you, just like salvation was, and say yes to following Jesus and yes to helping others follow Jesus. Can you imagine what would happen in this church, in your home, and in this community if all of us said, Jesus, we will follow you, and Jesus, we will help others follow you? Can you imagine let me give you an answer to that question. Nope, you can't even imagine. But it'd be fun to, and it'd be fun to experience it in reality. And so we're going to invite you to respond this morning. If your sin is real, and Jesus is real before you today as a Savior, we invite you to repent of your sin and turn to him and forever be changed. We invite you this morning to respond.